This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We'll be focusing on a reading from Numbers chapter 21. This is the next generation, the second generation in the wilderness, and, and how they respond and how God responds to them. When the Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that the Israel, uh, Israel was coming along the road to Athirim, he attacked the Israelites and captured some of them. Then Israel made this vow to the Lord. If you will deliver these people into our hands, we will totally destroy their cities. The Lord listened to Israel's plea and gave the Canaanites over to them. They completely destroyed them and their town, so the place was named Hormah. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord would take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to have some brothers and sisters here in the room with me. Uh, as we gather around your word, Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity of all those who are, are worshiping online. Let this be a holy moment that you meet with us, that you speak to us, that we, that we hear from you. And don't let anything I'm doing or saying get in the way of your voice to your people. In your name we pray. Amen. About a week ago, I was listening to a, uh, an interview with a pastor who had been uh, retired for a few years, had a long ministry, a very successful, well-known pastor. His name is Timothy Keller. Maybe you've heard of him before. And he was being asked about how his preaching had changed over his career as a pastor. And he said, well, about 30 plus years ago when he started his ministry in Virginia and he was preaching to his parents' generation back in the 1970s and 80s, um, he saw that the people believed that the meaning of life was to be good. And so when he was preaching to people who believed that the meaning of life was to be good, he knew that none of them actually felt that good because all of us have sinned, that, that they had guilt. And so he would preach them about the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. But then when he moved to New York, he, he recognized that, that things have changed, that no longer did people believe that the meaning of life was to be good. Now people uh, want to do away with that idea of, of morality or, or uh, you know, following God. Now they believed, especially in New York, his ministry, that the people believed that the meaning of life was self-fulfillment. 
uh, to be true to yourself, to be, to be free. And so people would go to New York to try to climb the corporate ladder or make it to Broadway or, 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 or do the things that would make them feel fulfilled. And what he noticed that even and especially the people who made it to the top, the people who, who, who got there, who made it to that corner office or made it to Broadway, they felt miserable because they tried to live a life of self-fulfillment and it wasn't that fulfilling. And so what he preached, you know, 20 years ago in New York was that that kind of life, just living for yourself, as good as it is to try to do your best and, 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 and be successful, that won't fulfill you. That's an idol and only Jesus will fulfill you. But then the guy interviewing him said, but what about now? He said, well, now things have changed again. Now people no longer believe that the meaning of life is being good. And they've seen how empty it is just to live for yourself. Now people believe that the meaning of life is justice. Finding the right cause. Joining the right organization. Standing up for the right cause. And if you could just stand up for the right cause, if you could just uh, associate with just causes, then you would finally feel fulfilled. And certainly it's good to be standing up for a just cause and doing the right thing and, and, and stopping people who are doing the wrong thing. But if you spend all your time thinking that, that you're the one who's doing right and everybody else is wrong, well, this is not going to lead to fulfillment. Well, at least let's see if it works. Let's see if justice is really the meaning of life. Uh, thinking that, that we're right and everybody else is wrong. And, and we're going to test this theory out in the wilderness. We're continuing our sermon series called God is Here Through Life's Wilderness. And the reason we're doing this sermon series is because we want to compare life in, in 2020 AD to life in 1440 BC for Israel. See, in 1440 B.C., the Israelites had entered into the wilderness, the desert. God led them into the wilderness. And so they were in a time of, of restrictions and limitations. And because they were in a time of restriction and limitations, it also was a time of testing. Testing their, their faith, their values, their character. And that's similar to what we're going through right now, right? This pandemic has put us through a time of restrictions. We can't do everything that we wanted, a, a time of limitations. And when we're in a time of restrictions and limitations, it's testing our character. It's testing our values. It's testing our faith. And so let's see what we learn about who we are as human beings as we enter into the wilderness and we go to the book of Numbers. But I'm going to give you a little background. A couple weeks ago, I, I started this sermon series. We preached on, on Exodus 16. And I don't know how much you know about the history of Israel, but, but Israel was in slavery for 400 years. And they, they called out to God, asking God to release them from slavery. And God raised up Moses, that leader who led them out of Egyptian slavery. And they went through the Red Sea and maybe they were anticipating now we're going to enter the promised land, but Moses led them back down. Actually, God led them into the wilderness for this time of restriction, this time of, of challenging and testing. And that first generation, they proved to be unfaithful. They rejected God. They didn't trust in him. They didn't believe he was true. And so that first generation died in the wilderness. And now when you get to Numbers chapter 20, the next generation 
is, is in the wilderness. The next generation is picking up the baton and let's see if they're any better than their parents. You know, maybe some of the kids here, you wonder, I'll do things better than my parents, right? I won't be like my parents. Well, what we find out is they fell into the same sins as their parents. They complained against God. They, they complained, we have no water here in the wilderness. We don't like our leaders. And even Moses himself fell into anger and unbelief. And Moses himself would not enter into the promised land. But here in chapter 21, there's this little bright spot. It's a little bright spot because as the Israelites were kind of going along the border of Canaan, King Arad, the king, Canaanite king, came down and he attacked the Israelites and they called out to God. They said, God, um, in, in verse 2 here, if you will deliver these people into our hands, we will totally destroy their cities. See, they knew that, that God had promised that they would bring judgment onto the Canaanite people. And so they said, God, if, if you will use us, we will do your will. We will destroy the Canaanites. See, the Canaanites have been practicing child sacrifices and horrible sexual practices for hundreds of years. So they knew that God was going to discipline them. And God listened to their prayer. God used the Israelites to destroy the Canaanites. So you have this high point. And now the Israelites are anticipating, all right, we have just fought this battle with the Canaanites. Now we're going to go up into the promised land. Now we're going to enter into the promised land. We're finally going to get our inheritance. We destroyed our enemies. We're finally going to enter into the land of milk and honey. And then verse 4, we read, But they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. Instead of going up into the promised land, God sent them down south. I was speaking to Nancy about this. You have a map up here. This would be like you had plans to go to Michigan and you're ready to get on the ferry to go across and you found out that actually you have to get back in your car and drive down south through Chicago traffic. Probably not what you were expecting, right? And that's what happened here. That blue arrow, they thought, hey, we're just going to go up into the Canaan, land of Canaan now and take over the promised land. But instead, God sent them that red line directly south around Edom, the opposite direction that they were anticipating. Plans had changed. And we're probably used to plans changing in 2020, right? Uh, we can maybe sympathize here. We had our plan set for 2020. Uh, how many of you had planned a vacation? How many of you had planned maybe starting up a new business? How many of you had planned all these other plans? And then 2020 hit and God sent you on a detour. And what happens when, when life takes a detour? Our faith is tested. We're tested to believe if God still has a plan. And let's see what happens to, to the Israelites. How, how do they respond? Second half of verse four says this. But the people grew impatient on the way. They had enough. They had been in the wilderness now for 38 years. And now they, they were fed up. They, they lost their patience with God. They no longer believed that God had a plan and they lost their patience. And when you have this kind of anger or angst or frustration, instead of dealing with it, what happens very often is we project it onto somebody else. The, the, my problem is somebody else. And that's what happened here in verse five. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? 
there's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. They spoke against God and against Moses. They believed that their problem, all of their problems were because of God, because of Moses. Inside and they thought, you know, if we could just get rid of Moses, we wouldn't have any problems. We'd maybe still be back in Egypt, which maybe wasn't that bad. Maybe slavery wasn't that bad. And, you know, if we could just get rid of Moses, maybe we'd already be in the promised land. And so they joined together in this just cause of getting rid of their enemy, getting rid of Moses, and even kicking God out of their life. They were speaking against God and against Moses. And they were saying things that didn't make any sense. They said, there's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable, literally, bread. They had bread. Every day in the wilderness for 40 years, God had been feeding them manna. And just in the chapter before, God had provided water. They had bread, they had water. They were just looking for someone to blame. They were looking for somebody to complain to. I want you to think about what you and I have been probably saying these last couple weeks, maybe these last couple months. I, I want you to imagine that I got, um, that, that everything that you've said over the last few weeks has been recorded. And it probably has by Alexa or Google, right? <laughs> and so let's say that, that, that that's all been transcribed and printed out. And I got two bins here. One bin says for, and one bin says against. And we're going to separate everything that you and I have said over the last um, few weeks and months. How many things would we put in the four bin when you speak for people, for the good of others, for the unity of your community, for the good of your family? And then how many times did you and I speak against people? If it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for my spouse who did this, or my, if it wasn't for that person who said that, if it wasn't for those groups that said that, if it wasn't for those leaders, how many times have we spoken against people? I wonder how many would be in that bin of against. Now, maybe we look at this, but those people did do something wrong. And maybe that's true that they did something wrong. But if our whole identity, this sense of justice, this whole identity is built on this idea, I'm right and those other people are wrong. I'm right, and if we could just get rid of those other people, that race, that, uh, that group, those leaders, if we just get rid of them, I wouldn't have so many problems. I could walk right into the promised land. All of my problems are outside of me. Maybe we don't see this or see how bad this is or see how wicked this is or see what a problem this is, and so sometimes God has to get our attention. Sometimes God has to get his attention. And he does something kind of bizarre here in this reading. Verse 6 is this. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. This is bizarre. God, why are you sending snakes to bite people? I think this is probably like... I think my wife hates this story more than any other story, though she hates snakes. Why send snakes to bite the people so that some of them died? Well, I think God is trying to teach them 
a spiritual reality about the problem going on in their hearts through this physical action. See, I think what God was trying to teach the Israelites is they had already been bitten by the snake. They already had the venom of that ancient serpent, the devil, pulsing through their veins way before um, they were bitten by these snakes. They had already been bitten by the snake. They're already filled with, with, with anger, with hatred, with self-righteousness. Their problems were not outside of them. The, the Israelites' problem was not the leadership. It's not Moses. It's not other people. They needed to be honest that they had been bitten by the snake and all the world's problems were also inside of them. I wonder if God has gotten our attention. Thankfully, I don't hear of any snake epidemic right now. You have killer hornets and big mosquitoes and things like that, but so far, no snakes. But I pray that that God would wake us up to this reality that we've already been bitten by the snake. Our problems are not all outside of us. You know, it might sound, um, it, it might be comforting sometimes. We might feel better about ourselves if we spend all of our time raging against the other side, that enemy out there, whoever that enemy is. We might feel better about ourselves, but we need to be honest that that's just poisoning us. That's making things worse. Our problems are not all outside of us. We also have been bitten by the snake. In fact, everything that we hate in other people is also in us. It's also in us. And when we recognize that, I pray that we finally fall to our knees. That's what the Israelites did. Verse 7 says this. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. In the wilderness, in this place of limitation and restriction, they finally saw their true character. They they saw that they'd been bitten by the snake, and so they prayed, God, forgive us. We spoke against you and spoke against Moses, and we sinned. There's no excuse There's no justifying it. There's no, you know, this is a hard situation. There's no blame shifting. It's just, God, we sinned. And if we're ever going to move forward, if we're ever going to see anything better in our society, in our community, in our families, in our homes, it begins by saying, God, forgive me. I've been bitten by the snake too. It starts by being honest. I've been bitten too. And look what happens. When they, when they fall to their knees and say, God, I've been bitten too. I, I, I've sinned. Verse 8, the Lord then does something weird again. The Lord said to Moses, another strange situation. He said, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Now, why do this? Why, why make a bronze snake? That's what Moses did. He makes his bronze snake and he puts it on a pole. And anyone who is bitten by the snake can look at it and live. Well, I think here what, what he's doing is he wants them to recognize. I mean, why not give them like an antidote or, or, or some medicine? Why not have like some miraculous leaf in the desert or something that they get? Why make a, a, a snake way up on a pole so that they have to look up to the snake? What is God doing here? What is this? I think what he's trying to show them is your problems are inside of you and your only hope is to look up. And if you look up, 
you won't be able to spend all your time looking down on Moses. Your problems are also inside of you, and so you need to look up for healing because the answer is outside of you. The answer is God. He is the only one can heal. He is not the cause of your sin. He is the only answer. And then Jesus makes it even clear in the New Testament. Uh, in John chapter 3, a, a religious teacher comes to Jesus, Nicodemus, in the middle of the night. And he, and he says to Jesus, you know, Jesus, I want more information. You seem like a pretty great teacher. I want to learn more about what you think about God. And Jesus says to him, uh, Nicodemus, yeah, you're a religious guy, but you don't need more information. You're the problem. I don't care how much religious information you got crammed in your head. You need to be born again. You've been bitten by the snake too. You need to be healed. And then he makes this comparison. Uh, Jesus says in John 3 verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. So just like Moses lifted up that snake, Jesus says, I'm going to be lifted up. And, and when you look at that, when they looked at that snake, they, they saw this, this ugly snake as a reminder of how bad their sin was that they caused all their problems. And when we look at the cross, we see how ugly our sin is. That we put him up on that cross. That, that the reason he's up on the cross is because only it was the cross that could rescue us. Not just more good advice. We needed good news. We need a savior. You know, we might think that, that our way to freedom is to get rid of everybody else, to condemn the other side politically, racially, whatever it is, condemn the person in our house, the person in our family, condemn that other person because they're all of our problems. But thank God that's not how Jesus works. Even later on in this same section, it says, the son of man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. We might want to get rid of other people, but thank God he didn't get rid of us. And here's the good news with that. If you want to join a just cause, that's great. If you want to stand up for what's right, that's great. But before you do that, look up to Jesus, because if you keep your eyes looking up at Jesus, you won't be able to look down on anybody else. You won't be able to, to look down. At, you'll see the humanity in your enemy because you'll recognize that that person is bit by the snake just as much as you've been bit by the snake. I want to close by this, uh, this quote from C.S. Lewis, and I think it kind of sums up everything that this story is about, everything that we're going on, is going on in our culture. C.S. Lewis, that great theologian, used to be an atheist and became a, a Christian. He wrote that great book, Mere Christianity. He says this, Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him, and with him everything else thrown in. This is what we're learning in the wilderness. I'm going I'm to say it a little bit differently. Look in yourself. Look in yourself and you will find all the sins that you hate in the world. Look in yourself, that scary place, and you'll see brokenness and anger and rage and decay. That's what we learn in the wilderness. That's what we've seen with our society. That's what we recognize in this time of limitation and restriction. Look in yourself and you will see all the things that you hate in the world. But look to Christ and you'll find him 
and everything else that you're looking for. Hope and peace and unity and, and equality and joy and direction and forgiveness and a future. So, I know that right now things are just crazy in our world. And you might want to join in looking down on everybody else, but instead of looking down on us, they'll never actually give you peace. Finding your meaning in life on, on trying to pursue justice by saying everybody else is wrong and you're right, that'll never actually give you peace and fulfillment. It's never actually going to give us a whole society. We have to first look up to Christ. Because if you look to Christ, you won't have time to look down on anybody else. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, when I look inside of myself, it, it, it's scary. I've been bitten by the snake and all the things that I so hate in our world, I can find in myself. So heal me, heal us, Lord Jesus. Lift up our eyes to see you and your love and your forgiveness and your acceptance and who you are and your character, especially right now as we continue to walk through the wilderness in this time of restriction and, and limitations. Lord God, as we are put to the test in our culture, help us to remember that God is here in the wilderness. God is with us. Lord God, let us look to you so that we will never look down on anybody else. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.